Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Hey, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We've got quite the athletic guest today, Maddie West. He believes that complete strangers can do things for others with unconditional love and it can make a huge difference to people's lives. He wants to empower, challenge, and inspire young minds. He's fascinated with personal growth and developing a sharper mindset. Maddie shares life experiences and lessons with his students, believing that everyone has greatness inside of them, and Maddie helps them tap into it. He's also writing a book called What If Today Was Yesterday? So I can't wait to learn more about that as well. But Maddie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Neil. This is exciting and this is going to be fun. Oh, I'm looking forward to a great conversation, man. So tell us the story. How did Maddie become Maddie? All right. So Maddie West, um, Maddie West, his identity was wrapped in athletics. And, and as a kid, um, in a roundabout way, he, he found soccer and soccer found him and just fell in love with the game. And it really just, uh, it checked a lot of boxes. It gave me a chance to compete. It gave me a chance to problem solve. It gave me a chance to get better. And little did I know that that was gonna lead me into an incredible career playing with incredible players and coaches. And I thought I was chasing my dream, which turned out to be um, a different dream. And I did get a chance to play in college and I did, did get a chance to play professionally, but that led me to coaching high school which has led me now as a 12th grade U.S. government teacher. And so I coach girls soccer and I am a 12th grade U.S. government teacher. And what I wanna, what ties in together about those things is as a kid, I would see athletes and I'd watch television and I would think, wow, they get to engage an audience. They get to entertain. They get to teach on how to do something better. And Little did I know, I didn't want to be a professional athlete as much as I want to entertain, I want to engage, and uh, I want to help people along the way. Very cool. I, uh, I guess I never really thought about it, but you're right. I mean, sports is really entertainment, especially when we're spectators. <laughs> yes. You, you went down this path, so I got to ask the big question, why soccer? right? That's not like America's pastime. <laughs> no, it is not. And so I was really fortunate when I was four and my parents took me to England and we did a family trip and we had a flat and in the flats, we are upstairs on the third floor and outside of the window was a schoolyard and there was a pickup soccer game. And here my parents wanted to go to museums and castles and try different food. And all I wanted to do was watch these kids play. And I was absolutely just mesmerized. And as luck would have it or fate would have it, when we got home um, with my parents' work schedules, we had one day that was open for practice that they could get me to practice. And it was on Wednesday nights. And it just so happened between basketball and baseball, soccer and football, soccer practices on Wednesday nights. Oh, wow. So it's a little cosmic coincidence, huh? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yes. <laughs> so how did you go from soccer 
to like coach to inspiring young people? You know, it has been something that I've had some incredible mentors. And um, starting with my mom and dad, they, they just really set an, a standard about the importance of education, about growth, and about learning. And uh, ironically, um, I was not a great student and, <laughs> and didn't want to be in the classroom. And one of the things that helps me as a teacher now is connecting with some kids that don't realize the importance of learning or how to learn or what learning will do to get you to where you want to go. And so, um, you know, it was something that I, I felt like it was either a calling or it called me. And uh, I haven't looked back since. That's awesome. And I can totally relate. Like <laughs> you know, people will be surprised to learn that I actually used to hate writing. <laughs> you know, here, here I am, author, you know, writing Forbes books, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I actually used to hate writing. It wasn't until I got a chance to write something that I wanted to write that I realized that I actually enjoy it, you know? And you know what, I'm glad you brought that up because I think something about learning that's important is having students learn about things that are important to them in ways that they can connect and relate to. And that's just this 21st century classroom that we are creating. Well, tell, tell me more about the 21st century classroom because we've had a couple of guests on from education and you know, even I talk about that we keep using 19th century techniques. Right. Right? Why are we doing that? And why are we, do, you know, there's got to be a better way to engage students, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about a part of the learning process is it, it goes both ways. And I want the students to be active participants in the process. And so we have projects that don't have narrow guidelines, but really open interpretation. And so we're really fortunate here that we have uh, each student has an iPad. And so we have access to things, you know, like iMovie and, and Keynote, and they can create Prezi presentations. And all of these things are creative, engaging, innovative. And the less boundaries I put on them, the more they take it in different directions. That's, uh, that's really awesome. I... It kind of reminds me actually of work, right? The, the best way to develop your employees is you set the expectations and the goals, let them figure out the best way to make it happen. It sounds like you're doing something similar with your students. Yeah, and you know, there's a guy, Jocko Willink, who has got um, Navy SEAL and has a great story on leadership. And in his book, Extreme Ownership, he talks about decentralized command and having, let's say your employees or um, the under rank or my students come up with the guidelines for what they want. And I'm just overseeing it, making sure that we, we stay somewhat within the tracks here. I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a moment because yeah. I actually agree with what you're saying, but I'm sure there are people out in the audience going like, well, you know, kids, are they really old enough for the experience enough to kind of figure some of these things out on their own? So we do an activity called Create Your Own Government. And in that, they get a chance to uh, make articles of the Constitution. They create a preamble. They get to pick their style of governing. And then they get to explain why they did that and what effect they're going to have um, for the people that live there, why they're going to appreciate the government. And 
although there are some um, suggestions on what needs to be included, um, they get to create their own flag, they get to create like a, a national anthem, and they get to um, go in a bunch of different directions. And believe you me, over the years, um, they have come up with some countries that I wouldn't mind living in right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's awesome. I don't know if you can share any of those uh, little government <laughs> tips for us. <laughs> uh, well, um, we are in a, a state right now. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really, I was a political science major. And, you know, picking your words and your narratives are, is really important. And so, you know, sometimes, uh, all the time, the students will ask something about the election or about one of the candidates. And uh, I've gotten good at not answering, answering questions. And so <laughs> an example is, uh, what do you think about, you know, Joe Biden, president-elect? And I say, hey, guys, uh, I'm not left. I'm not right. I'm forward. Let's move forward together. Uh, that's a great way to put it. I like you're actually, you have to be good at not answering questions. We're, we're a little too quick to kind of feed the answer or show people how to do something rather than let them try and figure it out for themselves. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because we have an environment in my class that is open, that kids can be vulnerable and kids can share things that are important to them. And that's not an easy thing to do. And a part of that is because um, we show respect towards each other. And do we make mistakes? Do some things happen? Absolutely, but those are great opportunities for us to learn together um, how something might've been hurtful or um, why we should phrase something in a different way. And the kids then, when they feel safe, um, I don't care so much what they think, I care that they think. And um, I'm just getting some incredible responses from them. I, uh, I'm kind of curious about this, right? Because I think you actually said something really powerful. It's not that I care what they think, I care that they are thinking. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, um, you know, everybody has gifts, they have talents, they have experiences, and they have um, what has gotten them to this point. And I want to help them. Um, I want to be a bridge from where they are to where they're going. And I know that critical thinking is critical. I, I know that um, analyzing and synchronizing information and coming up with an opinion, um, that's what makes us who we are. Oh, I, I, I chuckle a bit because I 100% agree. And yet we live in an age where everybody wants to be kind of spoon fed things, right? We do a great job with our media and stuff of pushing the information, pushing the explanation so that we don't actually have to think. Well, and, and this is a part of the empower, challenge, and inspire. And, and the challenge is, you know, as an athlete, is the game, is the competition. And in a competition, what happens? is we get forced to be uncomfortable. We get forced to have to do something in a way that we haven't done, but we're prepared for trying to do it when we have to do it. And so um, the students really, um, they look forward to the challenges and they want um, to be tested and pushed and they want to see what the limits are because when they reach a limit, they realize that there's a further limit. It's almost like you keep expanding their comfort zone 
then the comfort zone actually expands out, right? I mean, do something a little bit beyond, builds that a little beyond. So like their personal bubbles are getting bigger. And if we do it right, yeah, we get them being comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, that in this time and space that we're living in with the pandemic and uncertainty, um, that is a skill. And, you know, that's something I really want to help equip students with is problem solving and working through situations. That, no, that's awesome. I, these are the kind of things that a lot of people talk about where they say like, well, why aren't we teaching the kids some of these like skills, right? And everyone kind of has their opinion and it sounds like you're actually doing it, which is fantastic, but why aren't we doing more of this in our educational systems? Well, you know, um, I think we've gotten caught up majoring in minor things and minoring in major things. And, you know, we need people that are able to think on their feet and get given um, a set of circumstances and almost like an escape room, figure out how to get out of it. And, you know, interestingly, I tell my students all the time that what you're learning today isn't for today, but it's for a future situation that with this knowledge, you're going to be more prepared for and you're going to do better in. I'm curious, right? Because I look at adults, we're not good at, you know, envisioning something that's going to happen even a couple of years out. It just seems so far away. If you're a, a, a student today, I mean, is, is, are they better at it or is that even tougher for them because it seems even more ethereal? Unfortunately, right now with social media, and I'll just throw in the pandemic and isolation, um, we've really regressed. And interpersonal skills are, are something that we really need to reinvest in how to do and, you know, take it a step further. A lot of people, um, you know, personal growth is important, but one of the things that we don't emphasize enough is helping others. And with our gifts and our talents and our abilities and our strengths, we need to share those with people. And when we do, the more we do that, other people are going to compliment us with what they're good at. I unfortunately can empathize with all yeah. the parents and all the students out there because you know we got we got two boys at home and <laughs> it, it's it's hard on them, right? And I yeah. and I get that, and they, they I think they really miss the social contact, like in person contact. But they're also kind of at the age where, well, they understand what's happening. They don't understand like psychologically and developmentally what's actually happening to them. Right. Yeah. And that this is what's really unfortunate because, um, you know, a part of school is learning how to work through, you know, conflict, uncomfortable, um, hurt feelings, and learning how to follow rules and consequences. And it's easier to do it in your room watching a computer, but you're only scratching the surface of what, what you really need to tap into. Yeah. Well, Maddie, do you have any advice, secrets you're using to help build resilience with your students? You know, um, one of the things that's really helped me is once upon a time through my athletics and through some different um, you know, experiences, um, people were really transactional. Hey, do this and we'll get this. And if I didn't do this and we didn't get this, I, you know, I get 
yelled at or there'd be a consequence or you have to run a lap for you to you know, do, do something. And that transactional will get you to a point. But what I've learned is that relational leadership um, helps someone feel important, feel like they matter, and then want to more intrinsically do what they're capable of doing. And then they want to do it for the team. And they are nothing without the team and the team is nothing without them. And so that's where I'm at. That's actually really good advice. It's your, your, your sense of community. You know, they always say it takes a village. I actually being a big sports fan. I love your sports analogy <laughs> as a team. But it's, but it's something that kids can actually relate to, right? I mean, if they yeah. don't actively play sports, most people are familiar with the notion of team, right? Yeah. Um, and you know what? Um, with the Lakers winning the championship this year, that was a true testament because they had a lot of new pieces and a new coach and a new GM. Um, and they had the loss of Kobe, the addition of AD, and then being in the bubble. And in order for them to pull that off, they really had to sacrifice for each other. And, you know, it was remarkable that they were the last team standing, but it's a credit to the culture and the environment that they, they were able to create. A hundred percent. That's a great story about overcoming adversity. And I, I don't think most people realize that how hard it was for the players to be in the Orlando bubble, that it oh. took a huge mental toll, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you're separated from your routine, you're separated from your family, you're separated from the outside. And that is when things are going good. You know, when something adversity strikes and it's not if, but when, now all of a sudden you, you've got to not only do the pandemic and those plus life. And they were, they met the challenge. Well, that's awesome, right? Tapping the greatness you were talking about. Yeah. Um, and again, so one of the things I, I really feel like all my students have gifts and they have talents and they have abilities and I see it, but I want them to acknowledge and see it in themselves. And so we just did an activity and so they're getting ready to apply for college and they're asking teachers um, for letters of recommendation. And so I had students write themselves a letter of recommendation and they had to tap into um, their strengths, their, their gifts, their talents, their abilities, what they've had to overcome and what they've learned through these four years. And I'll, I'll just say um, the assignment was a one page and, and some kids wrote three, five, seven wow. page like, like books. And they, they just revealed some incredible stuff that I never would have known. But now this becomes more relational because I get to understand uh, a different side that you don't see on the outside. Oh, no, that's fantastic. I think it's powerful to get people to open up like that and they're just doing it, you know? Yeah. I'm let, me, let, let me shift gears here because I'm kind of curious about your book here. So you write a book called What If Today Was Yesterday? Tell me about yes. that. Oh, yeah. So it is basically... Um, it's my imagination, it's my experiences, and it's how I have perceived my 20 years of teaching. And so uh, the book starts something like, um, this is my 39th semester and my 20th year here at school. And <laughs> <laughs> but it's my first opportunity with this group. 
And as I look out to my class, I see students um, with, with courage. I see students that are, are nervous. I see athletes and I see um, actors. I see musicians. And more than that, I see people with resilience and I see people with strength and I see future mothers and fathers and entrepreneurs. And so um, the book is a, 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 a group of stories uh, of how kids had to overcome obstacles and Coach West was a, a part of that process. And Coach West was like a bridge to see the potential in the kids and to see where they are and just to be a bridge to get them a little bit closer to where they're going. Well, that's cool. I have to ask, you know, because I remember my experience as a first time author, when did you come up with the idea to write a book? Um, you know, for some reason, there's always been something after my freshman year in college when I wrote the worst essay in the history of the world <laughs> <laughs> that I wanted to get better at this. And um, I would say for the last five years, um, about three of those years, it's been dormant. And I, I have a Dropbox folder that's called What If Today Were Yesterday. And when I would come across different kinds of things, <laughs> I would drop it in. And then I, I really said, you know what, it, it's time to just sit down and start doing, doing some work. And so um, we are well into it and uh, I'm excited to, to see what comes of it. Well, cool. I, uh, I, I can empathize. I had talked about writing my book for two years before I actually started the process to write it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you bringing it up because this will definitely stoke a fire. And, uh, <laughs> I will get any inspiration that I can. And this will definitely, thank you for, um, for writing your books and thank you for um, showing me that it's possible. And look, if I can do it, any, anyone can. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying that writing a book is easy. Don't get me wrong, right. honey. It's, right. <laughs> yeah. it, it, takes, it takes a lot of work, but crafting a story, putting a narrative that a lot of people can just relate to, not even understand, but relate to, it's hard. And so I yes. really applaud you for doing this, Patty. And you know what's been a fun part of the process is um, some of the content that I've put out, but also spending time reading other books and getting ideas and having that add to my experiences and the message that uh, I'm weaving. And so I, I am really enjoying it and I'm not trying to beat myself up if I, I take a, a week off or something from writing because it's not that I'm not thinking about it. Well, that, that's good. Do you know when you're going to have the book completed? Yeah, we need to have it. Um, I'd like to have it published next year here. Cool. Do you have a publisher? Um, yeah, and I'll ask you. Um, my first inclination was the self-publishing, but what did you do? Um, so interesting. Uh, we were, I was thinking about publishing, self-publishing myself until the UN found out I was writing the book and said that we want to launch this at AI for good. Oh, wow. You're like, you, you, you helped us co-fund this whole thing. You've done so much work. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, AI for good is like um, seven months away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. I'm 90% I'm, I'm done with the writing, but you got, you know, art, art cover, interior. Oh, art. yeah. Yes. So I said like, maybe I should try and find a real publisher. <laughs> You know, and I actually had a, I had four publishers interested. Okay. Um, and McGraw-Hill was the one that really said that not only do we love your book, like everybody else, but 
we will bend over backwards to get published in time because I don't think a lot of people realize it takes about 10 months for a publisher to get your book ready and out the door. Oh, wow. There's a lot of work involved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, um, you know, props to you for um, seeing it, believing it and, and achieving it. And that's, um, it's admirable. I, I hope it inspires everyone. Like I said, if I can write a book, anyone can. <laughs> Everyone's got a story to share, right? This is changing yes. the story, so we encourage that. Yes. Maddie, this has been absolutely fascinating. If people want to stay in touch with you, see what you're up to, what's the best, best way to stay connected? Uh, so you can hit my uh, LinkedIn page, and it's Maddie West. Uh, I am also on Facebook at Maddie West. And uh, I've got a Twitter handle that we'll put in the bottom here. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure those are also all in the show notes for easy access for the audience. Maddie, this has been fantastic. Thank you for being an inspiration to our next generation of leaders for all you do and being a proud soccer fan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, thank you. This has, been, um, this has been a lot of fun. And I really appreciate an opportunity uh, to have this conversation. Thank you, Neil. Well, my pleasure. Well, thanks, everybody. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.